Conservative vote Andrew Bridgen has been suspended by the Conservative Party in a historic moment that could go down in history as really showing something major about what is happening with the V. I won't say it. Diane Abbott is denying anti-Semitism with a crazy letter she put in The Guardian, changes to the migration bill, the Bank of England are pushing the digital pound, we're seeing the dystopian future come even more into fruition, which is absolutely crazy, Morgan Freeman says Black History Month should not exist, and a crazy case is happening in South Africa with some of the best doctors on the planet, but ladies and gentlemen, today we are joined by a fellow young conservative do you want to give a little introduction about who you are and what you're about? Hello, my name is Ben. I'm the uh, the, the deputy chairman of the Dagenham Rain Conservative Association, um, and I'm a some would describe me as one nation, but I wouldn't really describe myself as a one nation conservative. I, I see myself in the middle of the two, the new right and the uh, one nation faction. But I, I I I got into politics to stand up for ordinary working people. Um, because in my town, in Dagenham, we've had a Labour council um, from, I, I believe, the start of councils. Um, and really, wow. they've had no one there to represent them. And that's the reason I got involved. Wow. Well, um, thanks for being there. I really do appreciate it. And I've got, actually, no, I'll ask you that a bit later. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, like starting off talking about what has happened, because this is for me, this is historic. I've followed it. I've spoke with Andrew. Um, this is massive. So for anyone who doesn't know who's new to what's going on, Andrew Bridgen is a Conservative MP or was a Conservative MP and he spoke out against the COVID V in Parliament and in hearings. He basically said, we need to investigate it. I'm having these cardiologists come to me and say, I'm seeing patients, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. And he he raised the alarm. He basically said, I want an investigation. He spoke in um, Parliament. He famously spoke recently where MPs literally ran out of the building because they didn't even want to be associated with him. He got suspended in January and pending investigation. And now he's officially expelled from the party from being a member or anything. So this is absolutely massive. And it broke today. So what are your thoughts on Andrew Bridging? Because this is a man who used to be part of your party and actually quite a successful man. Um, He was part of constituency the happiest statistical happiness levels in the UK. He done incredible in increasing his vote. So what are your thoughts of the Conservative Party actually sus- suspelling him? Not suspelling him, expelling him. There we go. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, well I think that uh, when he made the comment, I, I thought it was a silly comment to make. I mean, the there is, in my eyes, there's no <clears throat> comparison at all to the Holocaust and the government's vaccination rollout. I'm proud of what the government done during lockdown. I, I think there's mistakes made. Um, one with lockdowns, I think there's too many. Um, and I think the whole vaccination thing was a bit too fast. There needs to be some sort of testing behind all these things and getting it ready so quickly without possibly making sure it was uh, all, all safe and ready to go. I do think that is a worry and it is a worry of mine. I think a lot of people, especially elderly and vulnerable people, I, I do believe and I am very proud of the government's, the government, how, how the government acted during the lockdown. Um, but as I say, I do think some of the things were a bit excessive. But um, on to Andrew Bridging, I, I think that, as I said, it's a silly comment to make. There is no comparison to the genocide of 6.6 million Jews and the vaccination rollout during a worldwide pandemic. But 
I do think it sets a dangerous precedent where you have a MP speaking his mind and he's been punished for that. I, I, I don't think he said it the right way, but I do think that at the end of the day, MPs have a right to say what they want. They're elected by their constituents to represent, to represent them and give their views on things. And they should be allowed to do that without facing consequence, in my personal opinion. That's a very fair summary of like what, what has happened and i just to make this crystal clear do not take this as medical advice this is not medical advice do not listen to people on the internet for medical advice talk to your own personal health professional visit the nhs website gov.uk this is not medical advice again do not take this as medical advice but you you raise some big questions there like he you know he's elected by his by his constituents to speak about issues that they have and the major issue and where he's from and people contact him is to do with people who have been injured by the V, I won't say it. <laughs> and that that's a question that needs to be addressed. And people want to ignore it. People want to say, well, 80 million people got it. So there's, there's you know, nothing going on here. Well, more than 80 million people, hundreds of million people got it. There's nothing to go on here. But the question is the risk benefit from COVID itself. And also when you have medical professionals coming out in droves saying, you know, I'm, I'm seeing patients, I'm dealing with <clears throat> people in my surgery who are having reactions to certain products at a certain point you need to you need to put your hands up and say we need to investigate this now andrew bridging could be wrong he could be completely lunatic he could be wrong but the point is why isn't it being investigated and when we look at the regulatory bodies in the uk the mhra right that regulates medicines and <clears throat> and the place you report to using the yellow card reporting system 70 to 80% of it is funded by private pharmaceutical companies. So to act like there couldn't be a potential conflict of interest, you are lying to yourself. And I've said this to so many people, like, um, if anyone wants to debate or anything to do it, please come on the show. But like, um, oh, how have I lost my train of thought? Like, yeah, again, with Vaju Bridgem, <clears throat> do you, the reason he said what he said was because he felt like he was screaming into the abyss, you know, he was screaming, we need to investigate, we need to investigate, I'm speaking to these doctors. So he said something kind of outrageous as that. And while I think he shouldn't have said it, don't, don't get me wrong, the person he cited was um, linked with it was like a criminal criminology doctor in Jerusalem. And he also had 25 experts from Israel actually come out in support of him and criticize the government. So do you... Like, do you have some sympathy for the fact that he was screaming about this issue for so long, but no one was hearing him? So he eventually did something where people would hear him and it cost him his career. Like, do you have some kind of empathy of why he did it? Or do you think it was like straight up he shouldn't have? I, I have sympathy for the reasons he said it. He has legitimate reasons to be raising questions about the vaccination <clears throat> and, the, and the rollout and lockdowns and I think there should be a, a holistic review of how the government handled COVID. But I don't think that comparing it to, as I said, the genocide of a religious people by a dictator is the correct way to do that. And mm. uh, it might have been, as, as you say, someone from Israel, Jerusalem, who, who um, supported him and said the same thing. But no matter even if he said it, I'd still say it's wrong. Um, I, I, I think it's just a wrong comment to make. It's no, it's in no way a comparison. Um, and actually, I think it can do a lot of harm to people who are Jewish. Um, and I think it could be a great, great offence. And 
I'm not no snowflake. I promise you that. But <laughs> when it when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the the ancestors of, uh, of of Jewish people, not only in this country but around the world, hearing that comment wouldn't I don't think would do them any good. Yeah, I I agree. Like it's always a bad thing to degrade it to you know the most horrific event in history. Um, it's always the worst worst thing, and it's a bit too common. Like you know you could be at least a bit creative in a sense and go for like I don't know you know china or like you didn't have to go exactly go that exactly. way because it affects <clears throat> kind of people directly and it's it's connotated with so much hurt and pain and we're seeing this weird mainstream of anti-semitism and it's like it really is disturbing um but like for me I, my heart goes out to andrew because it's like he's he had such a solid constituency he could have like you know been <clears throat> been mp for you know years and years and you know all of this um and you know had a cushy situation but instead he said what he thought now people out there could be like oh well he's a lunatic you know he's chatting shit well he had the balls to do it and let's let's actually raise the pros and cons um and what he said he's he's not saying defensively he's saying we need to investigate i'm seeing this this is what i think we need to investigate and other people are saying you're an anti-vaxxer you're a lunatic um you're anti-semitic so he like he's risking everything to speak out and what is he gaining he's gaining death threats he's gaining media, media um pieces on him he's gaining matt hancock calling him anti-semitic so there's very little to gain but there's everything to lose and for that reason i got a lot of respect for him and even if he was saying something that i disagreed with wholeheartedly and everything i would still say hands up at least he's actually got the bollocks to do it you know <clears throat> What were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would agree with what you mostly said there because, uh, I mean, it's not... In terms of the party, Andrew Bridgen has said something which is wrong and it is offensive. And I think it sort of degrades the, the seriousness of the Holocaust and, mm. and the lessons we must learn from it because it's not the same thing. And I think that he should have been punished by the party. But I think it does set a very dangerous precedent when we're punishing people so extensively because they've given their view. Yes, he said the wrong thing, but he's been saying this thing over and over again that there needs to be this investigation. I mean, he's not the only MP to say that. Mm. There's MPs from all sides of the House that have said that there needs to be some sort of in investigation into how the government acted, into how the, how, how the whole workings of the COVID lockdowns and the COVID vaccination rollout, um, in how that affected uh, our society. And I, I'd support that. But as I say, I wouldn't go out and compare it to the Holocaust because they're two completely different things. And yes, I feel we should have been punished for that comment. Um, but there needs to be this sort of investigative process. And the party ledger there has been. So I'll support that process. And I mean, he's still an MP. Uh, so he still has the right to represent his constituents in Parliament. Um, unless obviously this, this uh, lobbying thing comes event to, to any fruition but um, he's still allowed to do that and in parties how politics works if you say things they have they come with consequences um, and he has been punished by the party for making that comment um, it's not necessarily his view that's got him punished it's the way he's portrayed that view and in politics I mean Andrew Bridges has been in there years he should have known better than to act so brash um and say something so that so so deeply offensive um and that's why he's been punished not because of his view but because of how he's expressed his view 
I've, um, I'm, I know, I, f- I, mean, I disagree with you a bit, though. I think a big part of it is his view, because when you look at... There were certain other politicians like Sir Christopher Chope and a few other MPs, and, and I don't like the Tory Conservative Party, but I've got a lot of respect for Conservative MPs, because they're the only mm. people who have the bollocks to actually directly talk about this issue there's been a few labor mps who've said things about other issues to do with covid but i mm, haven't seen mm. anyone been as this you know direct and i think a no. big part of um andrew bridgen was because he wouldn't shut up about it so you know i'm pretty sure he spoke before like pmqs about this um <clears throat> and he got shut down he got berated by the speaker got berated by the press but he would not shut up about it so i think that's also a major part in the suspension now yeah i know anything to anti-semitism there's you know the full wrath is on you fair enough but like i think if he wasn't speaking this harshly about it and wasn't he was not shutting up i don't think it'd be nearly as bad i think it'd be like you know he puts an apology a f- he gets a few bad articles for a few weeks and he's he's back i think <clears throat> well the, the the thing is is if you know you are so disliked because of your view you don't go out and say something so ridiculous to <laughs> legitimize their view of you true that's exactly what andrew bridgen has done he's legitimized those people who were opposing him by saying something so silly and now he's opened himself up to be punished and he should be punished for what he said but you could because what he said was wrong yeah but you, you could make the argument that him doing that has now opened a can of worms because ever since he said that all of a sudden bbc news are talking about well not talking about it, but they're at least showing him talking about it and then this mm. you know the, the floodgates are open to an extent so you could argue that him being this outrageous has actually kind of moved the needle a bit and now there's an it, it might have it, it might have done <clears throat> good things for what he believed in but it's not done him any good. And that's, that's if he sees that as a good thing, then fine. He's put his views before his party, which I think is very honourable. But if you're not trying to do that, and you are trying to stay in the party, you don't go out and say something that's directly directly wrong and you know it's going to get you punished for the party. He said it because he knows it will antagonise things. I mean, Andrew Bridgen's renowned for the way he speaks out against MPs, uh, against Prime Ministers when they're in their last footing. Um, and yeah, well, he's he's come out against most prime ministers. He's been normally one of the first to come oh, out really? and say, wow. I, "I'm I'm against." Uh, I I I I think the prime minister should, should leave. But <laughs> I, like I said, him saying that it's just legitimised those people's views, and really, he's opened himself up. I mean, he, like I say, he's put his views before his party, which is fair. But, but if you're going to do that, there's going to be consequences for the party. And uh, he he would have known that. So um, I think I don't, I don't think he has any bad feeling about this. Actually, I think he's got what he's wanted. He wanted it in the main press, and he's got it. In interesting take, I I think that's a fair point. How he's he's benefited the movement as a whole, but he's shot himself in the foot. Which yeah, he but, knew it was going to happen. <clears throat> he knew it was going to happen. But I guess he, for him, it's like he's willing to kind of for the for the greater. Not, I'm not saying he's right or wrong. This isn't medical advice. Do not take this as medical advice. But you know, he you could argue for the betterment of society of him of yeah. what he feels like. But speaking about like you know anti-Semitism and all that, Diane Abbott um, wrote a piece in the Guardian which was you know crazy to say the least. So this was a article by the Observer. <clears throat> letters the successful woman need not to be the same as for men and what she wrote was in rate that with the headline racism is black and white so 
which she claimed the art so <laughs> sorry i'm so bad at pronouncing this to mawa oladi oh sorry i'm so bad claims that Irish, Jewish and travelling people all suffer from racism. Racism in Britain is not just black and white issue, it's far more complicated. They undoubtedly experience prejudice, this is similar to racism, and the two worlds are often as if they are interchangeable. It's true that there are many types of white people with points of difference, such as redheads, can experience this prejudice, but they are not all their lives subject to racism. In pre-civil rights America, Irish people, Jewish people and travellers were not required to sit at the back of the bus. In apartheid South Africa, these groups were allowed to vote. And at the height of slavery, there were no white seemingly... Ma- ma- oh, I'm, I'm so bad at reading. It's so embarrassing. Ma- ma- oh, my days. Man... Oh, jeez. F- oh, right, on the slave ships. I'm so... I'm so dyslexic. I <laughs> I really apologise for the people listening who are no like, worries, no this worries. guy is an absolute moron. What am I doing listening to him? <laughs> um, but that, that's what she said in The Guardian. And it obviously sparked massive outrage because what she's saying is she's degrading the oppressed um, people of the Jewish community who have been oppressed throughout history. No group has experienced more prejudice, more attacks, more from from anywhere so we got you know where during communism the jews are blamed for everything during fascism the jews are blamed for being the communists um you had the holocaust you have now even now to this day jews are attacked in ridiculous numbers disproportionately to other groups and the fact that she comes out and she's like yeah um you know it's it's not the same and she's degrading it and it's one thing to actually kind of say it's not the same, but it's another thing to say in your intentions because it wasn't like she was like, oh, Jewish people aren't oppressed, but well, no, so it's not like she's putting a kind of back and forth of that. She's just saying that and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> well, I mean, it's dying over, isn't it? So nobody really takes her seriously anyway. But I mean, she's done a lot of damage to the labor movement here. All the work done by Keir Starmer, and even to be fair to him, Jeremy Corbyn did try um, to repair the Labour Party and its reputation of anti Semitism. Uh, Starmer obviously done a lot better than Corbyn, but this sets them back back to Corbyn times. This sets them right back. Um, I mean, she's probably done more to hurt the Labour movement since Corbyn left than Keir Starmer, and he, he's his own worst enemy, really. <laughs> well, um, uh, uh, but Diana, but. I mean, she's known for saying things that are just totally stupid. And this is one thing that is. It's just totally stupid. How she could make such a stupid comment like they didn't sit at the back of the bus. Well, no, they didn't. They didn't, Diane. But they've all all, all experienced different forms of, of prejudice in our society and have effectively been, been, um, have been victims of racism. Um, and, I mean, for so- someone who really should be so intelligent for, to be an MP for uh, over 40 years. She isn't, though. She said, just said something that's totally wrong and so offensive to the, the Jewish community. And I, I don't see how she can ever come back from this. And I don't see how the Labour Party could really recover from this unless they have a big, big clear out of people like her. Mm. And this, I mean, Keir Starmer must have wanted to, like 
punch her when he woke up in the morning because the amount of stuff he's put people under the bus who he said used to be friends just to clear up this issue and then now she came out and said this and it's backpedaling and also another thing to like point out um is that it's also a little bit dodgy that she's degrading anti-semitism with um the oppressed like black people being oppressed throughout history because when you look at statistically people attacking jewish people it's actually disproportionately often black nationalists and this is also a silent thing that doesn't get talked about much with anti-semitism there is a lot of anti-semitism now obviously i'm not saying this is all black people that goes without saying but there is definitely an issue in parts of the black community of anti-Semitism. And we saw that with Kanye West and what kind of sparked a revival of this and also in the rapping community a bit, which is, you know, this whole black Israelite stuff. Um, so it's also, there's another angle where it's even worse because the angle she's going from is degrading um, Jewish people with um, talking about kind of black people being the real oppressed ones and we're, we've recently saw where that terminology gets used and the support that's behind that, which is very anti-Semitic black Israelites. So that's something even worse. So what's your thoughts of that? Well, well I think a lot of the more modern anti-Semitism has come around this whole <clears throat> Israel-Palestine debate, which I think is a, a very contentious issue. And uh, I don't think that really the West should play much part of it. It's, this Israel's and Palestine's issue to solve. I, I I do accept that the West has a lot to answer for when it comes to the current issues in the region. But if they want to find a solution to it, then let them find one. Um, because I, I, I don't think that it's our, our place to do anything about it. And also what you see is, is you see a lot of this debate come over into our country. So you've, you, like you saw last year, um, when the the whole Palestine protests were going on, you see the attacks against Jewish people and Mm. attacks on synagogues Mm. fly through the roof. And that's not right. That shouldn't be allowed in our society. But I think there's a creeping, creeping acceptance of this, which is just totally wrong. It's totally, totally wrong. And I mean, people like Diane Abbott legitimise those anti-Semites. And it's wrong. It's really, really wrong because if it was on the other cheek, she wouldn't be happy whatsoever. We should have a a approach in the society that no matter where you come from, no matter what what you believe in, you're still accepting our society. I don't know why we still have this debate going on to this day. And I tell you, I tell you why we have this debate is because we've got people in the Labour Party who run on division and separating people and separating communities. Rather than seeing Britain as one community, we are one community. Yes, we're from different places. Yes, we are. Yes, some of us are English, some of us are Scottish, some of us are Welsh. But yes, some of us are Nigerian, some of us are are German, some of us are from Israel, some of us are from Palestine. And we need to accept that now. We, we get, we're, in, we're, in a, we're in an age where we're not, we're not at the stage of Enoch Powell and the Rivers of Blood. We're, not, we're nowhere near that now. We now need to accept that these people live in Britain. They are British. And no matter where you come from, even if you come from another country and you don't like a certain group in this country, that's Britain. Whether you like it or not, we are a multicultural society now. And we have to accept that. 
And I think that it's just, I, 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 and this is what annoys me about the Labour Party. They run on division. All they do is divide people. Any any debate that you see about racism, about Black Lives Matter, that's the Labour Party. We, the Conservative Party, and uh, I mean other other parties on the right, for example, Reform UK, it's about having a colourblind approach. We're not we're not separate. We're all British. We are all British, mm. and that's what we should be proud of. <clears throat> we are we are all proud of being British, no matter. Like I said, no matter where you come from, we're all British at the end of the day. We all live in Britain. We're all part of the British society. And we should celebrate that. We shouldn't We shouldn't see ourselves as different, even though we may be different. We're all British at the end of the day. That's our common, that's our common, uh, that's our common factor, that everyone that's living in this country, that's our connection. And really, we should, we should thrive on that and not let people in the Labour Party, let, uh, not let them divide us on that, on that issue. Amen. Completely agree. What a, what an incredible monologue. Um, definitely like hundred percent. And it's it's another story that I want to talk about. Actually, is what what Morgan Freeman recently said. But I also want to talk about what I experienced in London the other day. So I went to London, um, for work, and this wasn't in work. Just to make this clear, um, and I spoke to a a person, and they were legitimate racist. Like we're talking an actual, <clears throat> you know verifiable racist um like a white nationalist and they were saying like oh but you know all this you know identity matters and um skin color matters and you know we we, we need like you know this segregation all that and all that nonsense and <clears throat> i said to them you do realize what you're saying is exactly what woke people agree with like you're woke you're you're an identitarian you're you base um people off attributes they can't control you think about skin color constantly you are an identitarian racist well no i yeah like identitarian racist and then i said you are woke you are the thing you preach you're against and then mm. and then they actually said yeah no i i agree with woke people yeah we should base skin color super important we should base it off and for me that just epitomized so so much because here i was sat with a white supremacist having a conversation and they're like, yeah, yeah, I agree with woke people. And it summarizes how what used to be classified as anti-racism is flipping on its head. It, you, it's, it's like feminism. Feminism used to be about, you know, <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm no genius with feminism, but it used to be about woman equality, you know, the patriarchy, right to vote, all of that. And, you know, it was great, you know, bringing equality to women, completely support that, you know, not objectifying women. I think that's great. And now it's like you're supposed to get behind things that flip on its head so now uh young girls send their bodies online is now a good thing and <clears throat> objectifying and sexualization is now a good thing apparently and we're seeing the exact same thing happen with racism where it used to be oh racism's terrible and now it's like no we use racism against racism uh it's mm. it's regression isn't it yeah it is and i mean on the point about feminism and all these things when people set these things up, like feminism and the civil rights movement, it was about being equal. I mean, that's that's the stage we're at now. We're all equal, and that's what the fight was about. So why are we still fighting exactly? Why are we fighting? There will always be the few the few minority in every country across the world. And actually, if you leave Britain and you go to more of these, these, these countries where they don't have the same multicultural society, you'll see how bad the oppression and the, the, the prejudice is. Because, I mean, 
if I was to go to somewhere in the in the Middle East and they've never oh. seen a white person in their life, they would they would look at me and think, "What are you doing here? Go away! What, what are you doing here?" But that's fine. I can accept that because these are these there, there are these countries. This is their community. I can accept that. But when you go that step too far, that I mean, you're not even if you look at Britain, we're an equal society, as I said, but. If you go elsewhere in the world, that is not the same. That is not the same. So rather than coming here and asking for more and more and more and more and more, why don't you go to these countries where they aren't like that? Why Why do I see protesters in London moaning about women's women's rights and uh, and civil rights and things like that for the for ethnic minorities? And I think, but why don't you go to countries where those things Oh, that is not how the reality is. It's not like Britain. It's not like the West. Why don't we go to countries um, like China, for example, and go and protest in their streets about um, the oppression that's happening to the Uyghur uh, population mm. over there? I'll tell you why. Because they'd be killed. Why is it that in this country we we are so quick to criticise our own our own country and how we do things here? but so slow to criticise where the actual problems are. And this is one of my big things about climate change, is that where you have real, real global warming, where these people are pumping out so much carbon dioxide and things like that, like in China, in India, but they're protesting in a low-traffic neighbourhood in East <laughs> Yeah, that is a great point. <clears throat> it's a great point for sure. Like, what, what are you doing? <clears throat> You're embarrassing yourself. You're really embarrassing yourself. Find out where the real issue is and fix that issue. We are very good in this country. We do things very well. We are very egalitarian society in the sense of our rights and how and how we conduct our, our, our legalities and things like that. We are an equal society when it comes to rights and those sort of things. So uh, this is my message to the people that go out. I was in London today. I was doing a parliament, parliament tour. And I, I saw just a boy outside, outside the gates of Parliament. I thought, right, what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Go to Saudi Arabia, where they're um, where they're drilling loads and loads of oil out the ground. If you really believe in it, do that. Do that. Don't sit outside the House of Parliament moaning when this when this government has put in a a, a ban to stop producing petrol vehicles in 2030. Stop doing that because that is what you want. That is what you want. We're delivering on that. So make sure it's being delivered in a, a, a elsewhere. Stop criticising here so quickly. No, that's great point. I mean, there's there's certain things that they would say, like, for instance, I've heard people say, well, we want Britain to be great, so it's, we should focus on it here. But it's, it's also perspective, which is so important in life. No matter what it is, may that be how you live, you know, you live it, you're, you got, you know, you don't have a Maserati here, you're complaining, but then a kid in Africa has to walk, you know, in certain parts, 100 miles, wherever, just to get clean water, and you're complaining about that. Perspective's so key, and people lose that all the time. Like, I speak with even some friends of mine who I know personally who, like, they're very left, very left-wing, bloody hell. And, like, I speak with them about the UK, and they're like, yeah, super racist. And I'm like, like, what are you what's super racist yes there's definitely racist yes i'm sh in recent time i'd say racist rhetoric has definitely <clears throat> ramped up but y the solutions you're talking about are 
having even more race-based society and using that as some sort of boomerang to get around racism. Like, people need perspective. They need to kind of look about, they need to look around, your, even around Europe. I mean, you go to other countries around Europe, right? Even Italy, um, for that, like, you go to these countries and there's a difference in, you know, acceptance and multicultural cultural mm. societies and what it actually means and these are countries next to us and, and but people mm. don't have that view they talk about oh you know french society is so great and italian culture but then they don't actually realize we're unbelievably more accepting the political dynamic and what is spoken about is completely different from these societies but people want to scream from the rooftops about how racist we are and that's also a fair point about you know where you actually put in your um goggles and issues because if you're focusing on climate change here you know how much is that actually going to do if we did absolutely everything that would be a maximum what one 1.5 percent of all uh global emissions um like you know like you do need to focus of what you're actually doing and like to act like you know the conservative government have done nothing to counter climate change is just factually complete nonsense they've actually been criticized unbelievably from the right about their net zero policies so that's also something that i find so ridiculous when people talk about the conservative government are doing nothing about climate change they're getting you know in fighting over the issue of them doing too much but people are so mm. in a bubble that they don't even realize mm like how flawed what they're saying is but like onto the story of what morgan freeman said in a recent interview so he said black history month and african-americans african-american like black history month is an insult so morgan freeman said commonly uh, commonly used term relating to race should be taken out of the lexicon in an interview with the sunday times the actor said he was keen to say publicly that he objected terms like black history month and african-american calling both an insult freeman said the first thing you're going to do is relegate my history to a month freeman he said he objected to african-american because it was inaccurate i don't subscribe to the title black people have different titles all the way back to the n-word and i don't know how these things get such a grip but everyone uses african-american what does it really mean most black people in this part of the world are like mongols and you'll say africa as if it's a country when it's a continent like europe the actor i'm so terrible at reading the actor had previously spoken out against both terms in the guardian 2020 12 saying he didn't like african-american because black is beautiful uh as for black history month he objected to the um you know what it actually means and having it a designated month saying it's completely backwards um asked by the sunday times whether he occurred with denzel washington's statement that he was very proud to be black black is not at all who i am freeman said yes exactly i'm in total agreement you can't define me that way so it's ironic because they don't actually include the other stuff because it's written by the guardian of what he said he said what should we have white history month and he also said like why are you denigrating me to <clears throat> my skin color this is madness so this is just a good example of a bit of old school anti-racism but what are your thoughts well th this has always been my question is that why do we have specific months for for things like why do we have why do we have gay pride month right why, why do we have black history month why do we have all these special months and things like that because then i ask why don't we have a straight month? Why don't we have a white month? 
why don't we have an Asian month? Why don't we? This is the. These are the questions that we ask. Do we start? Exactly. exactly. Why don't we have an anti-Semitism month? Why don't we have a, um, for example, a trans trans month, a dwarfs (laughs) month? Yeah. For every single minority or every single group in the world, why don't we have a month for them? So we'll get people with glasses month for people who have glasses. Ginger month for gingers. Um, skinhead month for people who are skinheads. <laughs> like, this is this is the thing is that it gets a bit ridiculous. Where is the line? And I mean, I'm not in any place to say it's an insult to black people because I'm not a black person. But I, I, I um, I do think that there has to be a certain line to these things. It's, it's okay to be progressive. It's okay to do all these things, but there's got to be a line. You've got to draw the line of where, um. Why are we celebrating certain things, but we're, and we're not celebrating others? I tell you why. It's because it doesn't fit in the agenda. It doesn't fit in the left woke agenda to be celebrating white people history. It doesn't. It does, it's not in the agenda. I promise you, it's not. And I mean, it's quite sad. It's sad, really, that we can't live in a world where we all just accept everyone. Mm. And and what? And why isn't Black history just history? Why, why, as Morgan Freeman said, why are we de- uh, degrading Black History to one month? Why can't it be Black History uh, Month every month, like mm. it is history every month? <laughs> like that, that is the that is the issue is that we're, we're we're degrading these things rather than celebrating them all year round. Amen. Complete, completely agree. And it's just a broader thing that like we need to get away from racialized societies. And I've seen people who I even know who have gone closer and closer to the fringes because they're because they're they're seeing these people who constantly call them racist, and then they constantly see <clears throat> this racialization of everything. That would be Black History Month, this and that, and then they actually almost like embrace it. And then you got start to creep into white identitarianism, and people don't realize that. The people who are talking about social justice and segregating based on race and cultural appropriation, all this, you are you are like putting logs on the fire of white nationalism. You have no idea, mm. my friend. And if people could see what it, what effect it has when people have everything race focused, like you'd be shocked. And look, I'm not a black person, but I've had so many conversations recently with you know people from Nigeria, people from all parts of the world, and they say to me they don't understand why the UK is so racialized. They, they're they sick of getting called a victim 24-7. They just want to be treated like a human being. Mm, I'll tell you why. There's, it's socialism. It's the evil of socialism to divide people up all the time. Um, and I'll give you an example that I personally... I mean, I've been called racist all my life. I mean, the, the first time I was ever called racist was when in year two, where I, I, I said to a girl... You're a black girl and I'm a white boy. And she turned around to me and said, You're racist. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what racism was. Wow. But that that begs the question, why does a little girl in year two know what racism is? This is why. This is why we find so much division in our societies, because we teach kids from young, oh, you can't you can't be friends with people from that from that country. You can't be friends with people who look like that. Um, and it's wrong. It's wrong, and that is the evil of socialism: dividing people up into little groups. And it's not what it's not what Britain's about. 
It's never been what Britain has been about. The British Empire was all seen as one British Empire. It wasn't, it, obviously England was at the front of it, but that's because we was the biggest nation. Um, when, it, when it comes to, that's where everything was based from. But the British Empire was one empire. We are one people. And that was shown during the Second World War, the First World War. All the wars that we've ever had during the British Empire, we've all been one Britain. And that's what I'm proud of. And that's why I'm so proud to be British, is that we have, we, well, we had such a great society. But now it's about destroying that. It's about destroying that togetherness. And it's about, it's about creating new cultures within Britain. That's what it's about. It's about separating cultures rather than us being together. Which, mm. which, which has always happened. It was always, which is always the norm. But now that is, that has changed, um, and to be, I believe that the root that is socialism. That, that is the root of it. That but, is the root of it. Well, I, I disagree with you on the root of socialism because, like, there's a lot of good socialists and good left wingers. You know, legitimate left wingers who are pro freedom of speech against big multinational corporations, anti war. Like, there's there's a lot of good left wingers, and I I have no. Show me them. I I, I can't find them. <laughs> you have to introduce me to these people. Well, I'll, they're quite rare actually, but there are a lot of good left wingers, and there's left wingers who listen to this show, and I love it when I meet someone who is a legit left winger who again skeptical of big pharmaceutical companies. They're pro freedom of speech. They're pro human rights. They're, you know, they were on the front line the past two years, stand up for workers' rights when they were getting sacked over the V. You know, when I meet a legitimate left wing, I think it's great. People like Russell Brand, people want to call him a lunatic. Look, he's got clickbait thumbnails on YouTube, I'll give you that. But for the most part, he's a legit left winger. He hates capitalism. Mm. <clears throat> but now we got this weird dynamic where if you're a legitimate left winger, where you are actually left wing, like I'm not talking Keir Starmer or even to an extent Jeremy Corbyn because he hasn't been very vocal the past few years if you're an actual left winger and you are have the attributes of what I spoke about modern day concepts and modern day rhetoric means you're right wing it doesn't matter if you're you know super left wing which is complete lunacy but talking about like human rights so the government seeks to curb human rights courts in a legal migration bill so the controversial illegal migration bill will be debated in the comments this week including amendments to the further limit of the power of human rights in the uk and Euro european court so what's what's your thoughts of the conservative party what they're doing with that and you know zuella braveman and some of the changes they've made which would mean um for instance i oh, sorry i don't have a specific here i, I did read it um <clears throat> to do with separating like uh what is it mothers and daughters or sons and dads um through their old policy what are kind of your thoughts of everything well when it comes to immigration um if you was to ask i'd say seven out of ten people why they voted to leave the european union they'll tell you it was because of immigration and it was about getting control of our borders. And we need, we really seriously need to get control of this now because it's costing us so much money and it's working people are paying the price for it. They are the ones who are paying the price for it and the Labour Party aren't setting up for those people. Um, and I'm actually glad that the Conservatives are actually now coming forward and, and saying, well, we are going to stop putting our foot down on this. We are going to take the fights to the ECHR. We are going to take the fight to the European Union. They do everything to try and destroy 
the United Kingdom. But do you think that, Do you think that's a bit dodgy though? Like because with like for me, I'm very against it because when I look at what the Conservative government did the past two years with our rights and the mm. fact that they're gonna you know throw out some other rights, I'm like, hang on, what's what's going on? Here? And also to the fact that we have this labour shortage in the UK, we got endless amounts of jobs, we got record amount of people on benefits 1.5 million extra people in universal credit in the uk so wouldn't it how from my perspective it it would not be a bad thing if we had more people coming in the uk because what what's the solution to labor shortage what's the solution to um people not wanting to take up jobs when there are jobs you know the the solution is is that you get people who are claiming for example, as you say, universal credit. You get these, as you say, 1.5 million people on benefits. Extra I accept people. Yeah, yeah. Extra people. Mm. That, that's just extra alone. Mm. You need to get people into work. You need to get people out working hard, earning or living wage to support their family. The state, people have become too reliant on the state. Mm. And that's wrong. Unfortunately, we, we, the, we've got to a society where we always rely on the state to do things. And a lot of that has come through COVID um, mm. because of how much help the government give out, which I'd say was a lot of it was justified, but a little thing, some things went a bit too far. But that's a different conversation. I completely disagree. <laughs> but yeah. um, if if we're going to solve this issue, the, the the you don't solve the issue by importing people from other countries and having people come here illegally. Um, you don't just bring them in and uh, and... and take this forward and chat them into the labor force because a lot of it doesn't work. The system doesn't work. And a lot of these people that do come into the country, either illegally or legally, they all end up in the same areas. They all end up in the big cities, the big towns, rather than in these areas that you say these labor shortages are in. Um, Because it's not actually addressing the issue. It's just chucking people into the same area. You're not going to solve the issue if you move everyone into Greater London you're not actually addressing anything outside Greater but all you're the, only addressing pretty much all the studies I've looked at to do with the economic boost that immigration has like it's it's endless from like the NHS to engineers to teachers to you know cleaners I mean you name it like the entrepreneurship in the UK the backbone of it is immigration and like it just seems like from my perspective I've spoke about this probably on the pod like it looks like the conservative party are just grasping at straws because yeah i agree with you a lot of people do want tighter borders they do want to stop the boats but the conservative party have failed for so long that it seems like this is just a uh well somewhat popular issue that they're trying to grasp a few votes off when actually they've failed in every other respect so if you were to come to me and say like you know well we need to boost you know, people here working like what Reform UK are doing with like pushing the threshold from 12.5k to 20k for income tax and like making all frontline NHS stuff not pay any income tax for the next three years or having their new policy which they announced in um, the recent rally where Dr. David Bull trained and retained where he said that all NHS staff going to medical schools like doctors and nurses, they don't have to pay off their medical debt in the first... Fo- if they, as long as they stay within five years, but I don't see the Conservative Party doing any of that. I just see them being like, hmm, 
uh, these people on boats. Let's blame them, get some cheap votes, and pretend we're populist and we're for people here. Reform UK, yeah, they're sure they do point out the issues with um, immigration, which I disagree with, but at least they have economic populism here where they're saying, like, we will help you, if you know what I mean. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-immigration, because I think immigration, as you say, has a lot of benefits. But if you're going to come here, you have to come legally. You have to come with the the aim of being being a proper member of our British society. You can't come here and pretend to be somewhere else or pretend to come from a different country. Um, as you as you see, a lot of the people who are coming over uh, from Albania, I don't know the exact numbers, but we have a lot of people come from Albania here illegally and say they're from other countries. That's wrong. It shouldn't be allowed. And that is the sort of illegal immigration that I'm against. I'm against illegal immigration as a whole. So I think if you're coming here and you want to be legit, you don't do it illegally. But you apply through the proper routes. But the, but that's the issue, isn't it? The Tory party has been so horrendous with processing centres that I, even... I, I yeah I don't deny that I don't <clears throat> deny that, and I, I think it's a failure of all parties, both Labour, the Conservatives, in in the last well the start of the century, to really get a hold of this issue um, because it is an issue, and I agree. It's a failure of all parties. It is. We need to find a proper working solution. But I, I do think that illegal immigration, no matter what the possible benefits could be, should be stamped out as a whole. If you're going to come to this country, you want to contribute to this country, you want to come here, you want to work, you want to integrate, you come here, you come here legally, not illegally, because all that does, it gets alarm bells ringing, especially certainly in my head. That why are you coming here illegally? Why is it that you're not coming with the correct documents? Why is it you paid a people smuggler a few thousand pounds to come here illegally rather than paying 50 quid on some Wizz Air flight to come here legally? That's, that, is the, that is my deep question when it comes to immigration. And if I had a vote in 2016, I would have voted to leave. And it would be on that basis. Is that the, the European Union doesn't give us any leeway when it comes to how, how we... Um, how we conduct these illegal immigrants and the, the, the illegal migrants and how we how we um, process those and how we reject some some of them and that's why I would vote for Brexit on just on the basis of immigration obviously there's much more, many more issues mm. as why well I would vote for Brexit but on the on, when it comes to immigration illegal immigration that's why I would have done it um but but as I say I'm not, don't get me wrong I'm no I, I don't believe in anti. I'm not an anti uh, anti immigration person. I think, as you say, it does have a lot of benefits for us here in the UK because immigration across the world benefits in many ways. I mean, lots of Brits that go and move out to Europe, we, we contribute out there as well. Um, so we do contribute elsewhere in the in the, in Europe and everywhere else in the world. Mm. I don't think <clears throat> immigration is a bad thing. I just think too much of it can really put a, a strain on infrastructure. So, for example, in my area. We've got huge developments going up because the mayor of London has failed to uh, get his housing target. So he's just supporting all these all these huge developments that are huge tower blocks. That does not solve the issue of housing. All that does is it puts puts little uh, puts people in little cubes, and that doesn't do anything any good for our society. One uh, and two, as I say, it just divides people, and that's that's my that's my deep deep problem is the, the division um, by people in the Labour Party and things like that but um, back to the original point I'm not anti-immigration I just think that there needs to be 
some form of some form of control on the amount that we've got in. And if we if we've got the infrastructure there for people, then fine. But we haven't got the infrastructure. I mean, that's shown in in the increased waiting lists, um, and it needs to come down. All these things that we talk about need to come down. We need to get these things under control, and that, that's why I personally agree with the holistic review of the NHS. But that's another. That's a, that is another another discussion for another day. Definitely. Um, um, well, I think you you represent a lot of what people feel in the UK. You know, you're talking about local communities and how they're effective. And I think it, when it comes to the immigration issue, it's all about people's honesty. Like, what do people actually want? Like, if you're someone who's open borders, you've got to own it and say you're open borders. Now, for me, I'm open borders as a libertarian. I own that fact. But I also own the fact that it, there are issues in integrating with certain communities. It, you know, you can't just chuck thousands of people from other places in a community and expect there to be no issues correlated with that. And also, when there are issues, you can't, get away from that you can't pretend that the those issues aren't real and we see a lot of times throughout history people act like it's not real and then terrible things happen and i think everyone knows what i'm talking about um and it's you know it's very important to kind of be honest with it because i see people just be lie they're like oh well the you know these people refugees and then you ask them so do you think anyone should get rejected and then they say no and it's like well so what do you actually want to happen um and then there's also people who say well, they should come illegally, but then the whole system's completely broken. Even if people want to come illegally, they can't. So if you are fleeing conflict, legitimate conflict, you can't come illegally because it's so broken that even if you wanted to, there is nothing there to do it. So you're willing to pay a people smuggler to come over because you, you can't do anything else and you're in life's in danger. And then people say, well, they should stay in France. Well, majority of people do stay in France. Only a tiny fraction actually do come over. Um, <clears throat> but moving on to the digital pound, um, the Bank of England put out. So a Bank of England HM Trust publication says the way we use money is changing. The consultation paper sets out a new assessment of the case for a retail bank digital currency, a CBDC, and a so-called digital pound as overseen by the Joint Bank Treasury CBDC Task Force was announced on April 2021. At this stage, we we judge it likely that the digital pound will be needed in the future. It's too early to decide whether to introduce the digital pound, but we are convinced preparatory work is justified. The digital pound would be a new form of sterling similar to digital banknotes issued by the Bank of England. It would be used by household and businesses for everyday payments and needs. It would be used in store, online to make payments to friends and family. If introduced, it would exist alongside and easily exchangeable with cash and banknotes. The digital pound would maintain public access to retail money and our lifestyles as the economy becomes even more digital. It would also promote innovation, choice and efficacy in domestic payments. So this is what the Bank of England put out. And I've spoke about CBDs quite a bit on the show, but I just want people to listen to this again. It would also promote innovation, choice and efficiency in domestic payments. So... A few years ago, people said there's this big centralized bank that's centralized bank digital currency that's coming. Now we have the Bank of England saying it's going to promote certain lifestyles. Bear in mind, it hasn't even come into place right now. <clears throat> so what this is symbolizing is it's the beginning of centralized authority bank saying to buy certain objects. Now, right now, it's starting off where well, it hasn't been released yet. But when it does, it's starting off with will incentivize you. And it's like it's in writing just there about the the future that beholds us that is 
a centralized authority saying what you can and cannot buy and it's fucked i always always <laughs> end with that talking about central bank digital currency but it's just messed up what like what are your thoughts and i, I always actually end up talking about this with young conservatives but like what's your thoughts of like the whole landscape with that well, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know much about CBCD, uh, CBDCs um, because, I mean, finance is not really my thing. Um, but I, when it comes to, for example, the access to cash, um, that's one thing I am interested in because I think that it's very important for people in this country who aren't necessarily uh, technology-wise to be able to access their money um, because you're not... You're, you're, your generic Doris from down the road won't be able to access a digital currency to go out to the, the shop and buy her milk for the day or something like that. There, there needs to be that access there for people. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know about the whole digitalized, like central bank stuff. But when it comes to people being a able to access cash, I still think cash is very important. Because, I mean, even a lot of these small businesses that have these like card readers and things, the companies take a percentage of it. Mm. And then they're taxed we as well. Yeah. Exactly. It comes mm. to VAT, all those things. The, then it comes to corporation taxes. That's going up. Oh, dear. I mean, <clears throat> there needs to be that option for people who just want to go down to the cash bank, withdraw 15 quid, and go down the road and do their shopping mm. and support local businesses as much as they can. Um, and and that's, why I'm a big, that's why I'm a big supporter in access to cash. Um, and I think we should really go slowly. Mm. Uh, with trying to digitalize things so quickly i completely agree and it's so disturbing to actually see it on their website talk about we're going to incentivize because like if anyone is out there and they're that stupid to think that like it doesn't start off with just you know we'll incentivize you because that's the truth it's it's there's no way they're going to come out and be like you know this centralized digital currency we're going to limit what you can spend who you can go the truth is that's not the case and i am going to be speaking with a a Bitcoin expert and a kind of economist guy soon, which I'm really excited for. I've had him on the show a few times, which I'm looking forward to. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, like, thank you so much for coming to the show. Very good conversation right. here. Right. In weird agreement for a lot of issues, which I found weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's been a good one. There's a few stories we didn't go into, but definitely get you on again. Um, been definitely yeah, enjoyable. Definitely. And, you know, crazy world we're living in. Um, where can people catch you or any last words? Well, they can catch me on anything, really. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Um, if you search up Ben Suter UK, I normally pop up. Um, so if you can give me a follow, that would be nice. But but thanks for having me on. I mean, it's been a great discussion. And hopefully some people now join the Conservative Party. <laughs> the beard, that it's, not a, it's not all just um, soft, wokey sort of <laughs> green pushing stuff. So, uh yeah, hopefully you can join. Hopefully we'll get you in the party soon. No way <laughs> would I join the Conservative Party. Oh, I would join like la the Labour Party before I join Conservatives. <laughs> like, oh no, 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 that that is that is the conversation done. <laughs> I want like I I despise the Conservative Party because they were the ones who actually put us in lockdown. But I do I do I'm against Labour a lot as well because they were more in support of lockdown and human rights abuses and they didn't stand up for. Like I, for me, it's like the conservatives aren't right wing. They want to increase corporation tax, more regulation, and then Labour, the they're anti free speech, they're anti <coughs> workers' rights to an extent during lockdown, they're anti human rights, they're pro big pharmaceutical companies. Like it, politics is broken. It's completely broken. We have 
right wingers who aren't right wing and left wingers who aren't left wing it's an absolute chaos but thank you so much ladies and gentlemen for tuning in today it um i hope you are all doing well and oh yeah this is what i was actually going to read so there was someone who commented on the on my instagram post i actually wanted to read it out it was a story about you i don't know if you saw it um <coughs> he they <laughs> you're probably thinking what the fuck is this um Someone commented, funny story, I was walking just outside Romford Station and three guys in balaclavas approached me. Ben saw this from the side of the road and made them flee. He's a good man, future Prime Minister. Is that true? Can you verify it? Well, well, um, I don't think <laughs> I can verify that. I mean, I, I would, I, would uh, I, might, I might lie and say I was that superhero, but that is not true. Really? Um, <laughs> It's not. No, that is not true. Are you being all. humble? Is that it is, actually? That, no, that is not true. One bit. Really, hundred <laughs> percent. That, that is not true whatsoever. <laughs> oh fuck's sake! <laughs> oh, I was hoping it was. Oh, well, well, anyway, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. It was true in heart, anyway. But um... yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he probably had some other encounter with me. Right. Are you, are you, so, so it's not. So a hundred percent didn't happen. No, it did not happen. Right, <laughs> it's right. not true. Well, he's mugged no. me off there. <laughs> Whoever that was, if you're listening. <laughs> Fucking hell. You'd have to cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, f- thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Really do appreciate you. Give it the five stars if you're listening on Spotify. It'd mean a lot. Or give it a rating if you're listening on Apple. It would mean so, so much. Follow the podcast at Reg Podcast if you want to come on the show. We've got a lot of people who want to come on. So we've got a whole list. It's just you know getting people booked and stuff but um yeah thank you so much for listening ladies and gentlemen follow me at reg podcast follow him on instagram link in description um follow me my personal i never promote my personal at rory jacobs or rory jacobs on snapchat really do that um but yeah i love you all big things coming and ladies and gentlemen i'll see you next thursday at six o'clock it's been a pleasure and peace <laughs>